If you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 50. We're actually going to be reading a little bit more than that, but Luke chapter 1. This morning we're going to look at the song Mary sang on that first Christmas season. While you're turning there, allow me just to share a couple of announcements that I meant to share with you at the opening of the service. First and foremost, stick around after service. We are having a wonderful Christmas dinner together. You have picked a good time to be here, and we are going to eat well, and we want to invite you to stick around and be a part of that with us. You have to bring nothing. Just come on in. We're going to be on that side of the building in the fellowship hall. We'd love for you to join us. Secondly, we want you to know uh, we're so glad you and your family are here with us, uh, and we love having children with us in the worship service. The Bible tells us their cries are actually praises to the God who made them. So don't ever feel bad about your kids making a little bit of noise in there. But if you feel like you need a minute, that's great too. We have a break room just down this hallway with the worship service being telecasted over there. My family takes advantage of it every week. We're doing it right now. And so if you need a minute, don't feel bad about that, okay? We just want you to know that that's there for you, and we hope it's a blessing to you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. We're going to read the entire song that Mary sang, but we're going to stick to verse 50. I want to offer as a Christmas present to you a Christmas lyric for you. With all that in mind, let's read Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 46. This is the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. How did Christmas become the holiday that gets all the songs? How did this holiday get a monopoly on the carols? I don't understand this. I love Thanksgiving, but have you ever heard a single Thanksgiving song on the radio? I don't think so. What about Valentine's? Love songs don't count. We don't have any specific Valentine's songs for New Year's Eve, right? We have Auld Lang Syne, but that's about it. Easter, this is the pinnacle of the Christian faith. Not Christmas, Easter. And for every one Easter song, we have 20, 30, 40 Christmas carols. What's going on? And there's, listen, I understand, there's some great Christmas songs. Put on some Nat King Cole, some Bing Crosby, maybe some Mariah Carey, if that's how you roll. I personally am a Stevie Wonder guy. You put on Little Drummer Boy, and when he sings, I play my song for him. 
it just gets me in that Christmas spirit. Carol of the Bells. Instantly, I become Kevin McAllister and want to set my house up with booby traps for any criminal that may come my way. Or you could throw on the Charlie Brown soundtrack, the whole thing, all season long. I'm okay with that. But have you ever stopped to consider some of these lyrics that we mindlessly sing every Christmas season? Who in the world can tell me what in the world is bells on bobtail ring? I was walking through Walmart the other day, and they were playing No Place Like Home for the holidays. And the man who wrote this, I don't, I don't understand. He says, from Atlantic to Pacific, gee, the traffic is terrific. Who is ever called traffic terrific? That is what I want to know. And who in the world on, happy, on New Year's Day is, is singing, bring us some figgy pudding. I've got four kids, and not one of them has ever asked my wife for some figgy pudding. What are we singing? Okay, 12 days of Christmas. Ladies, I get the five rings. But who wants for Christmas 10 lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, and 23 different birds? That is not going to work in my house. It's not just the commercial Christmas songs. Oh, wow. Have you ever been in church where they tried to sing, what child is this? And everyone in the room stumbles and mumbles when you get to that three-letter word for a donkey. Some of y'all are going to get that in a minute. It's messed up. But listen, there really are some great Christmas songs. And one of the blessings of the season is that the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ, is proclaimed through every radio in the nation, around the world, people getting to hear the gospel. That's great. Luke, as he presents the Christmas story, gives us four Christmas carols. Mary sings one. Simeon sings another. I want to focus on on Mary's song. And when she sings, you don't hear anything like, giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. When she writes lyrics, she conveys the gospel with weight and beauty. And my prayer, brothers and sisters, is that you're not just impressed by this song, but that Mary's song can be your song. So with all that in mind, let's read verse 50 again. Mary writes, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I want to stick with that verse and give you three truths to sing about this Christmas. doesn't matter what song you're singing. I hope these three truths are in your heart and this can be your song. The first truth that Mary sings about is that God is a God of mercy. When you hear mercy, what do you think about? I think for most of us in this area, we think about a hospital, right? Locally, we hear that word, and that's the first thing we think about, and that actually puts us on the right direction. In general, when the word mercy is used, it means kindness shown to somebody in need. The classic example in the Bible is the Good Samaritan. 
who took care of that injured person on the road. But if you study that word, mercy, in the Bible, it means a lot more than help for somebody in need. As A.W. Pink writes, the word mercy means God's readiness to relieve the misery of fallen sinners. So the word mercy actually expects and anticipates sin. You cannot have mercy without sin. You can't have help without a problem. That's why in the Old Testament, this word spoke to God's covenantal love that he gave to Israel. After he rescued Israel from Egypt, this is what he said in Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And mercy is why Mary sings. If you go back to verse 48, she says, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Friends, the good news of Christmas is that God is a God of mercy. Whatever picture you have of God, whatever you think he is like, Mary wants you to know that he is a God of help. And not just for the good people. He's a God of help for sinners. And he's proven that through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And if I could get you to take away one truth, one thing this morning, it would be this. Never forget this, friends. Mercy is a one-way street. It is a one-sided relationship. God loves you, and you can love God, but you can never have mercy on God. Only he can have mercy on you. Mercy is what he does for you. It has nothing to do with what you and me offer him. The second truth Mary sings about is that God is a God worthy of worship. In verse 50, he says, the Bible says, His mercy is for those who fear him. This isn't a message we really talk about during Christmas, but it's right here. Go back to hospitals. Whether it's Mercy or Freeman or whoever, hospitals do not provide services necessarily to every sick person in the area. They don't kidnap the sick people and take them into their facility and offer them care. The hospitals only provide services to the people who avail themselves to the hospital, who take them up on their offer for care. God is a God of mercy, but he does not provide that service to just everyone. You have to avail yourself. That's why Luke chapter 5, verse 31 to 32, Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, 
but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Friend, you may be here and you know the Christmas story, and you may even be able to recite the gospel. You may know the information, but that is not enough. You have to recognize your need. You have to recognize how desperate you are and respond to his goodness. That's why Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him. That word, fear, is is actually where we get the word phobia, where we get the word fear, what we're scared of. We usually think of, of that in terms of things like heights and snakes and speaking in front of a crowd. That's not what the Bible means when it uses the word fear. The Bible's not saying you should be scared of God like a monster. In the word, the word fear in the Bible is a profound respect, a deep reverence, an attitude of awe, which is the proper response to God in his mercy. When you fear God, you recognize that he is worthy of honor and worship. Psalm chapter 2, verse 11. The psalmist writes, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Revelation 19, verse 5. At the end of time, as, as all things come to an end, we hear this. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Maybe if I could have you take away two things. This would be the next one. Have you ever heard the saying, God helps those who help themselves? Forget it. It is not true. It is not biblically right. God does not help those who help themselves. This verse says, God helps those who fear him, who recognize they can't help themselves. God helps those who understand their helplessness. And understand his greatness. Now you may say that that is you. I fear God. I I understand my helplessness. I know how great he is. And maybe you would say that to me. But it goes beyond the words we say. Our actions prove whether or not we fear the Lord. Matthew 15 verse 8. Jesus even said, this people honors me. Fears me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Could that be any of us? How many of us with our lips might say we honor and fear God, but we check out for the rest of the year, except maybe Christmas or Easter when it's time to give God his due? How many of us live 24-7, 52 weeks of the year, like God is worthy of our worship? Friend, if people were to watch you day by day, would they be able to see evidence that you truly honor the Lord? That you recognize his might and his worthiness? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Just notice that verse. If you call God your father, act like you have some fear. 
conduct yourself this way. Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Let me just translate it this way, friends. If you have received God's mercy, if you have experienced God's grace, act like it. Respond to his grace with fear, with worship. Honor him for who he is and what he has done in your life. There's a third truth that Mary sings about. God is always the same. Let's just read verse 50 one more time. Mary says, His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It never changes. The classic Christmas carol, Scrooge, what happens to him? Well, the night before Christmas, he goes on this journey from Christmas past to Christmas present to Christmas future to watch the trajectory of his life. And through it all, we see these glimmers of hope and promise in the early days to the painful truth of how people see him right now to where his life is headed. And what's Charles Dickens' message in The Christmas Carol? So no matter who you are, no matter how much of a Scrooge you may be, it's not too late to change. That there's hope. People can change. But friends, the good news of the gospel is that that is exactly how we are not like God. God can never have a Scrooge moment where he turns around and changes his life. God is always the same. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And if you need to hear it from himself, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God says, for I, the Lord, do not change. And this is Mary's hope. You may not know this, but verse 50 is a direct quote from Psalm 103. And so as she sings this song, she's saying that God's faithfulness to David, God's faithfulness to Moses, God's faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Hannah, and Sarah, and all of Israel belong to her too. And God's faithfulness for the last 1,500 years is, is true for her that morning when she heard the good news. And what she would say to you is the, the good news and the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God that was true for those 1,500 years is true 2,000 years later. And that God, who has carried his people for all time, is still here with his mercy for those who fear him today. The gospel does not change. Jesus Christ does not change. Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, the truth remains the same. Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Brother and sister, can you sing this song with Mary? Can you sing about God's mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation? I want to be crystal clear, friend. I'm glad you're here this morning, and I want you to know it is not what you do for Jesus. He doesn't really care about your account in terms of how much you've invested for him. 
He's not looking to see if the scales, the good and the bad, which one outweighs the other. He's not a God like that. He wants to know if you would receive what his son has done for you. That's what Christmas is about. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be a man just like us, to be flesh and blood. And for all the ways that we've messed up and run against his law, Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly every single time. He never had an improper thought. He never spoke a vulgar word. He never did an inappropriate deed. He was perfect. And even though he loved the Lord, even though he feared God perfectly, he took our punishment on the cross for our sins, for all the ways that we neglected to honor and fear the Lord. And God was so pleased with what Jesus Christ did, he rose Christ from the grave three days later to establish a new family and a new creation that we can be a part of if we would receive his mercy. And friend, have you ever accepted what Jesus Christ has done, put your life on the line and received what Jesus did for you? The Bible says all we have to do is turn from our own life and put our trust in what Jesus Christ has done, believe in his name and his work, and we will be saved. Psalm 145, verse 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. What better way to celebrate Christmas, brothers and sisters, than to do that, to believe that. Do not leave today without receiving the gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ our Lord. But if you already have that gift, if you belong to his family, the message is to remember who you are. Remember the gift you've already received. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. This is who we are. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What in your life is causing you to doubt God's ability to work today? Is it a headline? Is it a situation, a relationship of conflict in your family? Is it just those pestering dark thoughts in your mind? Friend, God does not change. His mercy is overflowing. It is new every morning. Like Mary, put your trust in his faithfulness. Psalm 147, verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. As you go about your week this week and those Christmas carols play on the radio and you sing them with your family, lift up the God who is worthy of honor and praise. Lift up a God of mercy who is worthy of worship and who is always the same. Romans chapter 12 tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And if you hate all these Christmas songs and they just get on your nerves, in a week's time, they'll all fade away. You won't have to hear them again for another year. But our God of mercy will still be reigning. And he'll still be there to help sinners in time of need. Until his son returns, let us walk in holy fear with the hope and the peace and the joy of Christmas in our hearts. 
Let us pray.